Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash Retro. And welcome to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how has your week been? Quite busy. Uh, things are wrapping up at work for the end of the year. I was just telling you before we started, I've had like three or four video projects that I've been working on all at the same time. One that's been like a... It's almost been like making another movie. It's been <laughs> like a three-month project between like coming up with the ideas like storyboarding it finding locations finding <laughs> actors like it's literally been like a movie wow so wrapping that up hopefully tomorrow and then i've got uh three other videos i have to finish editing before i leave for vacation on friday so Damn. thursday's my last day at work for the year so I've been going in, normally I work from 8 to 4, but I've been going in at 7 and then staying till like 5, sometimes 5.30. So, got got my got my, got my coffee at 6 o'clock at night. I know the feeling. I've been working yeah. extra hours at work. I'm going to get like 10 hours of overtime this week. And uh, lucky you, you get to take your Christmas vacation. Usually I get two weeks off for, for, for Christmas. I'm not taking it this year because I have to pay... For my stupid car that everything went wrong this year so if 2023 isn't any better i swear <laughs> usually ah. the the odd years are are pretty good i hope so like. damn <laughs> you know like i 2022 has been for me it's been like really high highs and really low lows like it's been so 
inconsistent. Like so some some good things happened, you know, some great things happened during the year. But mm-hmm. then there were some where I'm like, yeah, this just this year just needs to be over. Yeah, I'm I'm just wet ready. I'm I'm probably gonna take a vacation uh, sometime. I told my boss probably late spring or early summer. So maybe I can you should. take a trip somewhere or something. Just get away for a while because just man. If I don't catch a break soon, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally know what you mean. But uh, but this weekend, um, I watched uh, Wednesday. Have you seen that yet on I've Netflix? seen bits and pieces of it. Um, like Samantha's been, she's been watching it, and I've caught a little bit, you know, here and there. It, it seems pretty good, you know, like I'm, I'm not like the biggest Adams Family fan, but I know the basics of it. Like I know the characters and everything, but it seems to be pretty cool. Yeah. I love the Adams family. I watched it every afternoon when I was a kid, they would show episodes every single afternoon on the local Fox station when I was a kid. So I watched it when I was a kid. I loved the, the comics, uh, the original comics by, uh, was it Douglas Adams? Was his name? I think Um, so. And, uh, I loved the movies back in the nineties with Raul Julia and um, love the newer uh, CGI animated movies they've done the past few years. They're really good. And this, it surprised me because I, Tim Burton had did this series. And you would think of all things, he would just Tim Burton out all over this thing. Like it's like so, he does with everything else yeah, he makes. But this is the one thing he made where you cannot tell it was Tim Burton. Yeah, you know, now that I think about it, you're right. Like it didn't seem very like Tim Burton. He's one of those directors that like, as soon as you start watching one of his mm-hmm. films, you know, it's a Tim Burton movie. If you don't see his name attached to it, but yeah, the, this it, it's got a cool look to it. You know, it, it doesn't look like a traditional Tim Burton project. Yeah. It's like, he, which I think is a good idea. I think so too. It's like, he really pulled back the, on his Tim Burton ishness <laughs> for this, uh, series and really it it feels like it feels like it could fit like in the, like the supernatural universe or something you know like Sam and Dean could show up yeah. at any moment and it's not over the top Tim Burton type stuff you know with all the weird imagery and all that stuff it just feels like a really it, it's almost like it's set this weird school that she goes to the whole Adams family concept like it exists like in the real world like everybody around it is normal, but they're not. And it's, it, they really pulled that off in this. And I know it's always kind of been like that. The whole conceit of the show is, you know, they're the weird family in the, in the regular world, but it feel, you really feel it in this one. Like it's set like in a real world setting. Yeah. And I think they've done a really good job of capturing that too. And uh, I know for, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that everybody that plays their parts plays them beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head, but the, the actor who plays Gomez, I really like. Uh, Luis Guzman. Yeah, he's yeah. perfect. <laughs> As... Yeah, and Catherine Zeta-Jones oh, is, yeah. um, is, is Morticia. Now, great, great choice. I loved her interaction and friendship with Thing was like a buddy cop movie almost like it's so good have you seen the behind the scenes stuff of how they pulled thing yeah. off <laughs> and that's it's pretty awesome much how they did it with the original not the original movie but the movies back in the 90s uh, pretty much the same thing that i don't i forgot who played thing 
back in the uh, the those old '90s movies where it, it was a magician that did it. It was same thing mm-hmm. this time around. They got a magician to uh, to play thing, and I remember seeing um, uh, because they that was a big thing about how they did that back in the day, and it wasn't CGI. It was an actual dude with like a prosthetic wrist coming off the back of his hand, and he was wearing like a green suit or blue suit, whatever. And it was like green screen technology and like him doing all the stuff and they just, you know, digitally erased him out. But that it was just as cool back then as it is now because it's not CGI. It's an actual dude playing thing. Well, I think that's what surprises me is that in today's age, you would think, oh, it'll just be a CGI Mm -hmm. hand. But nope, it's it's how they did it back in the day, which Mm -hmm. I, I really like because, I mean, if it's good enough for you know, back then it's good enough for now. And yeah. honestly, it's probably better that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it. I might actually watch through it again over the holidays. Yeah. I, I plan to catch up on that as well as a couple of other shows. I, I've been in the middle of, so I'm a, one of the judges for the Pensacon short film festival. Oh, cool. And the, the deadline for us to watch everything is, well, f- it's technically Friday, but I'm not going to be in town. So for me, it's Thursday. So I've been trying to you know, get through all of those. I still got quite a few left, but should have them done by by Thursday. And then once I get back from vacation, I'm going to catch up on some shows I'm behind on. A Glass Onion will be out on Netflix by then, which I'm really excited for. Because I Knives Out is one of my favorite movies of the last five years. And from what people have been saying that have seen this new one, it's even better. Yeah. I I there's I got so much to watch cause, because you know what, Knives Out is still on my list of shame. <laughs> I still haven't seen it yet. You, it's I think you'll really enjoy. I it. Know, you know I it's, will. Everybody that has seen it says I will love it, and I, it's just one of those things that like when I finally get to sit down on the couch and be like, what am I going to watch? It, it just leaves my head until later. It's one of those movies. I think even if you don't like the twist in the movie the cast is so good and their interaction is so great it's worth watching for that reason alone oh yeah well i'm because the cast actually... is incredible between chris evans jamie lee curtis yeah. don johnson daniel craig it, it's they're so good I might they're so so a, good in the movie. A, a reminder to watch it this weekend you should if you do let me know what you think of it because oh, i i, I really really want to know uh we are taking next week off uh, Derek's going to be out of town and, uh, I was thinking I might do something with Mr. Jacob Craig, my, uh, my co-host over on open micers will do, might do something for the, the patrons, just a little something extra if, if we can get to it, but if not, we might just take the next week off. And I think you guys will, uh, will, will let us take the week off. You are our bosses. So we're asking for next week off. Well, and also if I correct me, if I'm wrong, but we're going to round out the year with our top five games we played in 2022 yes so if you want to get us those lists uh uh, bethany you're listening go ahead and change that uh heading (laughs) in our discord so everybody can go and get us their lists uh you got two weeks to give us your list for the best game you played in 2022 and it doesn't have to be a new game just a game that you played in 2022 and for me there's not very many new games that i actually play my my top two, and I, I've told you what they are off air, but yeah. they're they're no brainers. <laughs> but get us your lists uh, over there on our Discord or the Twitter at Nerd Cave Retro, and uh, you got two weeks 
two weeks to get them to us. But uh, you ready yep. to jump into the news tonight? Let's do it. Play it. Today's stories were submitted to us by I Am The Rampurge and Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this first story is from the Washington Post. I think this is the first time we've ever done a Washington Post story. I think you're right. Uh, twin complaints signal new FTC strategy to rein in tech industry. Lawsuit to block Microsoft's Activision acquisition and opening arguments and trial over Facebook's deal to buy within mark most aggressive actions against big tech. Uh, see, the Federal Trade Commission on Thursday took its most aggressive actions against Lena Khan, uh, became chair to rein in the power of big tech, pursuing a lawsuit to block Microsoft's acquisition of a game developer on the same day it opened arguments in another case against Meta's purchase of a virtual reality startup. In both cases, the FTC argued that the acquisitions would squash future innovation in emerging gaming markets, a relatively novel interpretation of antitrust law that Khan and her allies have championed as they seek to usher in an era of comp competition enforcement. The, the complaints follow long-running criticism that federal regulators have not been, been forward-looking enough in evaluating deals in Silicon Valley, allowing tech titans to dominate by gobbling up their much smaller rivals. And I will kind of agree with that because they were pretty on top of it for, for breaking up big tech companies like in the 90s, like Microsoft, AT&T. You know, every time they got a little too big, they were broken up by the FTC. I they haven't been really doing much the past 22 years to, to break up these tech companies who are just basically buying up everything they can get their hands on to, until eventually it's just Disney. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like, you know, we're in the age of monopolization, you know, with even the rumors mm -hmm. that Disney might be sold to Apple, which how crazy That's, would that be if that happened? How is that possible? It's a rumor that's it's supposed to happen. I don't know that it will. I don't know that much about it, so I won't go too deep into it. It's just stuff I hear, you know, online every now and then. Yeah, I mean, um, I've heard that same rumor, and I'm just like, Disney is worth, like, a trillion dollars. I mean, how how in the world can Apple own Disney? I I don't know. Just the thought of another company owning Disney is just... Like, it's mind-blowing to me. Like, it's one of those things that you're like, no, that can't be real. Yeah. Like, it should be a physical impossibility. But I, I'm with you. I, I'm glad that, you know, the FTC is kind of breaking up these attempted monopolizations of technology because it could stifle creativity and stifle growth, you know? Like, so the next big innovation in technology could be invented by some mom-and-pop company. Yeah. And I and I feel like you know we're we're also in kind of an age where, in addition to monopolization, it also stifles creativity mm -hmm. in its own way. So, I'm I, I give the FTC you know major props for this. And I also wanted to uh, the the little subtitle under the headline, Activision acquisition sounds like a if Mel Brooks were to make a modern movie, that would be the name of a song <laughs> yeah, that no he kidding. would put in there. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It's just it, all these big tech companies are just, I think, way too big at this point, and it's time to start breaking some of these companies up. 
Yep, I totally agree. Uh, Joey Image says in the chat room that he wants NCR the game. I've been thinking about that and what we would actually do if we made an NCR actual game. Would it be a side scroller? Would it be an RPG? Definitely be eight bit. Have to be eight or sixteen. Yeah, it would have to be. What would our abilities be? Um, I could uh, I could burp on command. <laughs> could be... That that's for that's for open micers the game. Yeah, open, well, I don't burp on the show. Uh, that's, <laughs> oh. that's Jacob's thing. <laughs> well, I say that'd be his power if it were yeah. open micers the game. I don't know. I, I I've thought about that too. Like, what what would what would like what would the story like we should come up with that let's make that a 2023 project if we were to have ncr the game what type of game would it be what kind of storyline would we have all that stuff maybe i think that'd be fun it should be set at pensacon a 2d side scroller beat em up and we're at pensacon and we have to get to the uh we have to get to our panel <laughs> it's sort of a <laughs> double dragon uh you know final fight style uh side scrolling beat em up We'd have to reenact. One of the levels would have to be where me, you, and Wally. Wally would have to be an extra character. Yeah. Where we have to fight through the crowd to meet Rob Paulson. <laughs> and then the twist is he's not there. Uh, Joey says he, and, he, and, he could be a guest unlockable character. And that, that's kind of perfect if we do a final fight uh, kind of thing, because he would be like the hagger of the group. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we could do uh, him and Wally against... You and I. Yeah. They, It'd they, be awesome. Ooh, they, uh, Joey and Wally could be like boss battles. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I and like the way it. you beat Wally is to feed him misinformation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are going down a very deep rabbit hole of yeah, this. I like this. Let's do a whole episode on this. Oh, we should. Uh, oh, Joey says, can he wear 8-bit spandex? Absolutely. Of course. I wouldn't expect anything less. Okay, so uh, going a little bit farther into some some legal discussion from NintendoLife.com, class action lawsuit claims Epic Games knowingly made Fortnite very, very addictive. Uh, Epic Games is faking a, facing a class action lawsuit from parents who claim the team knowingly developed Fortnite to be highly addictive. Concern over the game's level of addiction have been a hot topic of conversation for a good few years now. The lawsuit was first opened up back in 2019, with lawyers claiming that Epic Games hired psychologists to assist in making the title as addictive as possible and providing players with no warnings of these effects. The case has been under review ever since and has now been deemed worthy of approval. Claims of the game's very, very addictive design come from two parents who have become increasingly concerned about the online shooter's effect on their children one of whom who has reportedly racked up 7,700 hours in the game over the past two years. Here's an idea. Parent your children. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really? It's, I mean, it's... A, a, it, video games have been known to be addictive since Pong. I mean, it's just the nature of video games. It, just because uh, this... What is it about having children that ruins people's brains when they become parents? So I, I, I'll tell a little personal story with this. So I had to take public speaking when I was a freshman in college. And for our final project, we got to pick like a, 
you know, some type of like informative discussion. Mine was do video games incite violence in children? Because we had, you know, the Columbine shooting from back in the day and so and other uh, the age examples old that question. I will go to. <laughs> yes. I said exactly what you said that the parents need to be more responsible of what type of content their child consumes, especially when they are at an impressionable age, when they are kids and even into teenagers. Because we're we're all still figuring out who we are as teenagers Mm -hmm. and are very impressionable. And if the parents neglect that and they don't know that their kids are playing, you know, some type of really violent video game and it incites them to you know, blow up a school or something like that. Parents have got to be more responsible is what I'm trying to say. And I, I say this with Fortnite as well, like encourage your kid to spend time with you, try and, you know, get them to have additional hobbies. Cause there's other stuff out there besides video games. I know we do a podcast on video games that we both enjoy, but we have other interests that we do. Yeah. You can't spend all your time in one thing. I mean, if you can't regulate your, your kids, Time. I mean, 7,700 hours is a lot of time to be spending in a video game. Make that kid go outside. Get him a bicycle or a skateboard or something. Make him go outside. Go outside. Get Breathe in the nice, clean air. Yeah, something. I don't know. Yeah. That, uh, yeah I've that's... always had a problem with this. this. This comes around like every couple of years. Yep. I mean, as long as I've I've been a video game player, this has been the Mm -hmm. thing. Yep, same. Uh, Our next story is also from oh from NintendoWire.com. The Switch officially overtakes PS4 in worldwide lifetime sales. Now the fourth best-selling console ever. The Nintendo Switch has smashed yet another sales record, overtaking the Titanic PlayStation 4 to become the fourth best-selling video game console of all time worldwide. The news comes from VG Charts, who calculates that the console's Black Friday week sales number of just under 1.3 million bring the console's lifetime total to 117.22 million units sold, narrowly eclipsing the PS4's 117.03 units sold in its lifetime. That is a lot of consoles sold. And the Game Boy, uh, the next, uh, the best, next best-selling console on the list is the Game Boy at 118.69 units. The Nintendo DS stands at 154.02 million units, and then the PlayStation 2 with over 155 million units sold. You know what's going to make me feel really old? You know how every now and then we talk about these stories of developers making games for like the NES or the Super Nintendo in 2022, decades after they've stopped making games. When a new PS2 game comes out, I'm going to feel ancient. Mm-hmm. But no, this, this is really cool. I mean, you know, the the Switch has, I think, surpassed both our expectations. Oh, yeah. Way as far as like, I got, I, I thought it would do better than the Wii U. Not that that would have been very hard. However, I did not expect it to to do this well. And I, I think, you know, I don't know what Nintendo is going to do for their next console, but I don't think they're going to stray too terribly far from 
from what the Switch has done. You know, it's is it as powerful as a PS4 or or you know one of the new Xboxes? No, but there's just something about being able to play a console game in your hands. Yeah, that's it. Just makes the experience so much better, in my opinion. I think the next thing is basically. I don't think they're going to stray too far from the the formula. I think the next thing is probably going to be the Super Switch with basically, you know, how this, the regular Switch runs on what PS3 era hardware. The next one will be the Super Switch with PS4 era hardware. And it's going to have a a larger hard drive. It's going to be an L4, maybe a, not 4K, but maybe. I don't know what's the screen on the regular switch now. I know that uh, the OLED is 1080. Maybe they'll have a 2K screen on it. I, I don't know. They'll they'll have better battery life. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. my prediction. I don't think they're going to stray too far from what works this next time around. I wouldn't hate if they called it the Super Switch. I would still go buy it, and I know Wally's going to make fun of me for that, <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, if he makes fun of you, he's making fun of me too. Because, like, I'm I'm not disagreeing. Hey, with you. I'm not ashamed to say I love my Switch. I love playing games on it. I love yeah, I being too. able to sit on the couch. It's portable. It it plays what it what I need it to. The only thing Nintendo needs to do is is be able to play all past console stuff on it. Yeah, they need to focus I'm, I'm, more on their online presence. Is what they need to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I was playing Sonic Frontiers on the Switch before we started the show. Mm-hmm. Take that. So I'm I'm right there with you. Take that, haters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. From timeextension.com, the new NES action RPG Former Dawn looks absolutely stunning. There's no shortage of impressive homebrew games in development for the NES, but something nerdy studios Former Dawn looks set to be truly something special. The developer has been updating people on Twitter about the action RPG's process or progress over the last year, and with every new clip it posts, it demonstrates a level of graphics and detail we previously thought impossible on the 8-bit platform. The environments are huge, colorful, and lived in. The animations are smooth and complex, and the character sprites are wonderfully detailed. It all runs on real NES hardware, and as such has us wondering how the studio was able to pull off such wizardry. So there's a like a 30 second clip that's on the article. It's from uh, let me pull the. It's uh, on t- up. It's, uh, you could go to at, at something, something nerdy on nerdy. Twitter. Not, Not what, something something. Yeah, no G, just something yep, nerdy. Something nerdy <laughs> on Twitter, and the article's right. You know, I watched this right before we started. It looks really pretty. Mm-hmm. for an NES game like they they are really pushing what the NES can do and I'm I'm impressed that this is actually going to be on console. Yeah, it looks like a very late NES title like when you had games like uh uh you know like Shatterhand things like that running on on the NES at that time where they could just get every ounce of juice out of it that they could. That's where this firmly falls. Yeah, this makes me wish I had time to play games like this because I I love RPGs from you know as I've said the NES and the Super Nintendo era. I don't know if this will be available digitally, but um, if it is, I would love to try it. If I like I said, have the time because RPGs like you have to just put so much 
time into. And there are games like if I get into an RPG, I don't want to play it for like 10 or 15 minutes. Like I want to spend at least an hour on it before I put it away for a period of time. (laughs) Joey in the chat room says, what's a good switch game as a Christmas gift for a 12 year old girl. Then he says, LOL, that was supposed to be a text message. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, it depends on what kind of game she likes. I mean, is yeah. what, what, I mean, there's so many different genres of games for, for kids to play. Just depends on what she likes, really. I mean, there's, there's no shortage of games on the Switch, especially indie, indie titles. Mm-hmm. Which is cool because yeah. most indie games are pretty cheap. So you can get away getting a great game for like, you know, five, six bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. On uh, This last story is also from NintendoLife.com. Uh, Zelda fan uncovers a link to the past original dungeon designs and proto-data. When it comes to Stone Cold classics like a link to the past, we have to ask, how much content can there really be that we don't already know about? Answer is, is quite a lot, actually. A Zelda fan by the name of at dark underscore link AEL has been working their way through the prototype data for this classic series entry, and the project has thrown up a lot of interesting discoveries from original sprites to a collectible Triforce. But perhaps the biggest find has been their work on pulling together all the game's original interior room designs, dungeon and all. Uh, while the layout can initially be a little confusing, it, uh, let's see. Another preservationist at Mr. Talita has placed the original and final designs together in a side-by-side comparison video. The results can be found on his Twitter at Mr. T-A-L-I-D-A, Mr. Talita. Mr. Talita. Yeah, this is really cool. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of difference if you so there there's a video you can watch where there's all like a side-by-side comparison and they go through mm-hmm. the entire map of what's different from the proto data and what we got in the final game. Yeah. There's quite a bit of difference. And this this is really cool to see. And it makes you think, you know, how different would this game have been had they not changed the the layouts all that much? I wonder if there's a way to play the actual maps, the original maps before they started changing stuff. Oh, I would love to do that. That would be cool to go in and play, replay a link to the past, but play like a completely different map. That would be like a dream. Yeah. Because like I, I've I've lost count of the number of times I've played through that game. So to do it with a completely different experience would be like playing it for the first time again. Like it would be absolutely insane. Yeah, and, and it, just looking at the little maps here, it's a really cool video to watch, but just on the initial like thumbnail here, just look at like how much of the map is this? Is it the entire map or just a portion but you can just see how much is different from the the prototype to the final and it's just kind of interesting i wish there was like a behind the scenes documentary or something you know just showing the 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 making of this game i would watch an hour long documentary on the making of this game and showing all the different um the the reasons they changed the map like the the dungeon designs the character designs they should just give the gaming historian, and I, I said this on Twitter last week, he put out a really good documentary um, last week on uh, the, um, Mario Kart. Mario Kart. 
And it's so good. Why why nobody is backing a Brinks truck up to his house to get him to make documentaries on video games for like Netflix is, is astonishing at this point. He makes some of the best content on YouTube, hands down. Yeah, if they do like a, you know how they do the series like the toys that made us or the mm-hmm. movies that made us. If they do games, he should be yeah the the voice behind it. Oh, dude. He, 100%. He, he is the Ken Burns of video game documentarians. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that brings us yeah. to the end of the uh, the news segment, and now we shall go into this month in video game. I, I cut you off. Did you want to say something there? Oh, no. I was just going to say I would love to see a, a documentary about the making of this game, too. Oh, like yeah. it, it would be like a, the day it would drop, I would watch it. <laughs> I would watch anything about uh, a Zelda documentary. But especially about this game, I w- oh yeah, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you hear that, Netflix? We would watch it. Just back the truck up to to Norman, uh, Norman's house. I forgot his last name. The gaming historian, and just dump that Brinks truck and just let him do documentaries for you. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, where's our movie check? <laughs> Finder's fee. Uh, but next, we're gonna go into this month of video game history. <laughs> On December 12th of 1983, Nintendo publishes Donkey Kong Jr. Math for the Famicom. And if not, I'm not mistaken, I think this is Joey Image's favorite game. Because who, uh, more so than Days Gone? Yeah. yeah. He plays this uh, every time that uh, he thinks about playing Days Gone. He's like, you know what? I'm just going to go play some Donkey Kong Jr. Math. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Yeah, there, there are some of the educational games that I don't hate. I've never played Donkey Kong Jr. Math, so I can't speak to whether or not it's good. But I trust Joey's opinion. It says, uh, it was bought for me by my parents <laughs> as punishment for bad report card grades. If that doesn't motivate you to bump your grades up, I don't know what yeah. will. Oh, God, I'm going to have to play Donkey Kong Jr. Math again. <laughs> I don't bring my grades up. You know what? I think I will study. Yeah. <laughs> uh, December 18th of 1987, Square releases Final Fantasy for the Famicom in Japan. Which is actually Originally Final a- Fantasy 47 in America, uh, 15 in Europe. And, you know, uh, so Well, let's, <laughs> let's not forget the, the spinoff, 46-2. Yeah. 
<laughs> and that's in um, that's in Australia. And then forty six point two part two that they put out. The the patch. Yeah. The patch. <laughs> <laughs> Originally intended to be the company's last release, which that's crazy to think wow. about. The game's success results in a prolific series and was released in the U.S. three years later. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine a gaming world without Square. Because they made some great RPGs. Like, in, you know, Final Fantasy is what they're most known for, but they've made a lot of great stuff. When did they merge with Enix? I might have to look that up. Uh, I had to have been like maybe early 2000s or the late 90s. Hmm. I'm not sure. Uh, December of 1994, Namco releases Tekken for arcades, launching the Tekken franchise. Never got some, into Tekken. I played some Tekken, but I, yeah, it just never was really my thing. Yeah, it's there were so many fighter games, it seemed like, from, from that era, but you know, I pretty much stuck with Mortal Kombat as mine. I remember the arcade, uh, Aladdin's Castle at the local mall here. They used to do Tekken tournaments on the weekends and I, and me and my buddy, they would do Tekken and killer instinct uh, uh, tournaments on the weekends. And me and my buddy would try to go and get in the, the contest, uh, but we would get knocked out like first round by like, you know, a four year old Asian kid who like couldn't even see up on the thing. He was just whipping everybody's ass. <laughs> I, I was in a Pokemon tournament in like the early 2010s in Atlanta and I lasted about five minutes <laughs> and was knocked out in the first round. I know Wally, and, I think I think Wally got like second place in a Donkey Kong uh, country competition at Blockbuster. That's impressive because that game ain't easy. Yeah, might have to get him to talk about it next time he's on here. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. Let's see, December 29th of 1999, Sega releases Shinmu for the Dreamcast. I think that's going to be my next playthrough on the Dreamcast. I'm going to start the Shinmu series. I think that's a good choice. I've never played any of the Shinmu games. I haven't either, but I hear such good things about it. It's, uh, it's time. It's time for me to play it and see what all the hubbub is. Joey says Shin effing Moo. <laughs> He's going crazy. <laughs> uh, December 3rd of 2001, Super Smash Bros. Melee is released with GameCube in North America. The standard bearer for the Super Smash Bros. franchise mm. and one of the weirdest moves that Nintendo has ever done, which is saying a lot because they have done a lot of those. Super Smash Bros. Melee is arguably the biggest game for that console, yet it came out a month after it launched. Actually, less than a month, because it launched in mid-November. This was released in early December. Why? Mm, Would be my guess. <laughs> like, why don't you just push the release of the console back? Yeah, the last like, time that... I played Super Smash Bros. Melee um, was some with some comedian friends of mine, and we were at a bar in P P Panama City, Florida. It was kind of a half-biker bar, half uh, nerd bar, which was kind of weird, but they had a TV there and they had a GameCube and they had Super Smash Brothers Melee. And we started playing and one of the other comedians started whipping everybody's ass. Well, it turns out he is a competitive Super Smash Brothers Melee player and he's like ranked. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I'm like, you could have told like us that before you just <laughs> wiped the floor it's with us. Just fair warning, 
I'm a professional. Yeah. After he's, <laughs> and then and then he mops the floor with everybody. After he's won like 16 rounds in a row, like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a professional. I wish I could be that good at Smash Brothers. And finally, also on December 3rd, 2001, Pikmin is released for the GameCube in North America. Yet again, another solid game for the GameCube. Mm-hmm. So why did you not just push the release of the console back a couple of weeks <laughs> so then people could get Luigi's Mansion, you could get Smash Brothers, you could get Pikmin, all his launch titles. I don't know why, but Pikmin is is really fun. I, I've heard that they're working on a fourth one, which I think would be really cool. I'd play it in a heartbeat because I, I love all three of the games. Um, three wasn't as good as one and two, but two is probably the better game, but I like playing the first one more than any of the others because you have that sense of urgency because you have a time limit in order to beat the game or else yeah. your character dies. I never played any of them. Uh, they're, they're fun. They're, they're you're talking about Fortnite. Pikmin was very <laughs> addictive to me back in the day. So was Tetris and Dr. Mario, all those yep. games like that are, but that, I turned out. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah. I think I did. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure. I think so. <laughs> But uh, but that brings us to our it's it's time it's time for the Patreon shoutouts before we go into my review for tonight I can't talk tonight I don't know what's going on uh, Joey said in the chat that until I play the Shinmu games that I'm dead to him <laughs> looks like you're gonna be making uh, a trip to the the retro game store this weekend yeah well I'll have to skip work and and go to. Yeah. The video game trading post. Uh, as always, we have to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out John West, Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, and my mother, Donna Diamond. Mama Diamond. Mama Diamond, yes. Uh, thank you, as always, for your continued support and keeping the lights on for us here at the show. And uh, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our fun commentary tracks that we do. And we've done countless ones over the years. You know, it is the Christmas season, so you could go back and listen to our fun commentary track on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which I still need to watch, actually. Before. Yeah, me too. Christmas gets here. Uh, we've done commentary tracks for numerous animated shows like Batman the Animated Series, Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, among others. Uh, movies like Transformers, the animated movie, not the hmm. not the Michael Bay ones. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't think I could bring myself to do that. Maybe the first no. one, but that would be it. Um, we've, you know, I was actually thinking about this. You want to know what movie we have never done a commentary track for, but hmm. you're, it's going to blow your mind when I tell you video game related. No, hmm. it's a movie based off of a very popular animated show based off an animated show. Huh? Um, I'm not sure. We have never done a commentary track for Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Oh, yeah. I thought we did that before. We didn't. I did, too. It it was right after Kevin Conroy passed away. I was thinking about it, and I'm like, surely we had to do that. Dude, I could. But I 
I would bet my life right now that we did a commentary track for The Mask of the Phantasm. I went back and looked at the archives and I did not see it. What? We got to rectify this. Okay. I know. Even though though we drop below the $50 threshold and we have to be above that to do the commentary track. So you got, we lost a couple of patrons. So you guys bump us back up over the $50, you know, just a dollar a month helps out the show. Get us back over $50 a month. We'll keep doing the commentary tracks, but we're going to do Batman mask of the phantasm just to, because we have to. I mean, I've been wanting to rewatch that movie anyway, so it'll be be the perfect time to do it. Yes. But but if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, so we can give you a proper shout-out. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee, doesn't matter what type of coffee you like, they got you covered. Try the Good For Gaming Roast, or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, I will be talking about... Resident Evil Code Veronica is a survival horror video game developed and published by Capcom and originally released for the Dreamcast in 2000. It is the fourth installment in the Resident Evil series and the first to debut on a separate platform from the play, from the PlayStation. And this was what was confusing to me back in the day because I originally did play this game on the PlayStation 2 and I could have sworn this was one of the launch titles. For the PlayStation 2. Um, and when did it release for the PlayStation? Does it say? Well, it says February 3rd, 2000 for the Dreamcast PlayStation 2. Um, it does not give. Does not give. I'm the looking date. it up. Um, but anyway, I played this on the PlayStation 2 because my, my roommate at the time had PlayStation 1 and 2. And I had a game, or no, N64 and an Xbox. And I was so excited for this game to come out because everybody knows my love for Resident Evil 2. One of my favorite games of all time. When this came out for the PlayStation 2, I played it on my roommate's PlayStation. And I didn't finish the game for some reason. It's been so long. It's been like 20, you know, something years since I played it for the PlayStation 2, but I quit playing it at a certain point in the game. And that's why I conflated this game with Resident Evil, you know, the Resident Evil 3 remake, which I thought was this game when it came out, because I've apparently never played Resident Evil Nemesis, which is Resident Evil 3 remake. I never played it. Back in the day, because my when I played Resident Evil Three Remake, I, I kept thinking I was like, wasn't there a submarine 
and like a mansion. Like where they changed everything about this game. Well, it turns out it was a different game because this was the true sequel, you know, quote sequel to Resident Evil 2 because it takes place um, immediately. I think I'm no uh, three months after the events of Resident Evil 2, and it is running concurrent with Resident Evil Nemesis, which is almost Final Fantasy-level weirdness <laughs> going on with this title. Yeah, I thought the same thing, too, you know, because I, I remember this game coming out back in the day, and even though I didn't play the Resident Evil games, I knew of them. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about Nemesis. I just assumed that Code Veronica was the third one. You know, like you think of movie titles, mm-hmm. and yet yeah, might be a second or a third movie, but they don't say two. It'll just be like the title plus a sub thing. And that's what I thought this was. So I I was there with you. I thought this was, Uh and it turns out that it is like an actual sequel because it takes place a few months after the events of two. But I always just associated this with being the third game. Yeah, Joey Image says uh, Resident Evil Mass Confusion. (laughs) This should be the name of this game. And yes, because here's the thing, and I actually wrote this in some of my notes. Let me let me bring up my notes here for, for the game. I wrote that um, voice acting... Yeah, first off, the voice acting in this game is atrocious. It's, it's, it's bad. <laughs> I watched some gameplay of it. It's, it's bad. Even for 90s era video games, it's bad. And the overarching story... It, so far, I'm, I'm like eight hours... I'm like seven or eight hours into the game. I stopped playing. And so far, the story is pretty non-existent. And I still have no clue what's going on in this game. Yeah, I someone put together uh, like a walkthrough. And, you know, like the, the cutscenes are okay, but nothing really drew me into mm-hmm. being interested in the storyline because I was, you know trying to figure out what was going on myself. And I'm not even as well-versed of a Resident Evil player as you are. But in watching it, I'm like, what is this about? Yeah, even with Resident Evil 2, you feel like you constantly have to to keep moving because you want to know more of the story of what's going on. It has that... The way that game is structured, it, it just propels you to move forward because you're constantly finding you know, uh, journals and you're coming across people who are giving you cutscenes and story and thing like that. So you understand what's going on. This game feels so empty. It just feels empty. Like I, I, I hardly ever come across, I come across notes every once in a while. I've only had a, you know, a handful of cutscenes so far, and the cuts and the the voice acting is so bad in the cutscenes that it actually pulls me out of the game, and I can't concentrate on what's going on because the voice acting is so bad. I forgot what the character's name was, but one of them sounds like they're doing a very poor Morgan Freeman impression. <laughs> um, the the most egregious one is, uh, what's his name? I forgot to write his name down. The, he's in the game. Uh, he's a young guy that you constantly are, are running across. And uh, what is his name? He's so bad. It, uh, his his uh, hated every time I came across his character <laughs> and had to do stuff with him. Um, 
Is his name Steve? Is that his name? I think it's Steve. Uh, let's see. She finds herself teaming, teaming up with Steve Burnside, who is just one of the worst characters ever in a Resident sounds like Evil the great, game. Sounds like the great value Michael Ironside. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> You're not far off. Uh, he's just so bad, that, that character. I hated him every time he came across my path. Um, let's see what I, what I write in some more of my notes here. The respawning in this game is one of the biggest things that drove me nuts about this game. The respawning is so inconsistent. Enemies inside buildings that you come across, you kill, they don't respawn. You can go back into to buildings or wherever you've been. Any enemies that were indoors are gone. Once you kill them, they're gone. Outside and courtyards and alleyways and tight spaces they they respawn i mean i there are parts of this game where there are courtyards and and these tight little uh alleyways that you go through and they're full of zombies you kill them and then you go through a door and you do what you got to do and you got to go back outside that door guess what every single one of them's respawned every damn one of them that's fantastic yeah, it's great. And I'm, I, yeah, I'm <laughs> being totally facetious when I say that. See, th- this is one of those games where I would love to talk with one of the developers just to kind of get, like, just little things like that. Like, I'd want to ask them why. Like, yeah. what was the thought process behind all of you thinking, okay, th- this is cool, let's roll with it. And not only do the the, the zombies respawn, the outside zombies respawn every time you go through there. And the game does give you ample ammunition. I feel like this game gives you more ammunition than in the first hour of the game than, than the entirety of Resident Evil 2. But here's the thing. Every enemy is stronger. Your just run-of-the-mill zombie takes like 9, 10 bullets. 8 to 10 bullets just to take down. Every single one. Like, that's boss-level stuff. I, again, like, why? I've probably gone what, through what? hundreds of bullets in this game so far. You're not, you're not selling me on wanting to ever play this game. <laughs> and the reason I stopped, the reason I stopped about, and I'm roughly seven or eight hours into the game. There, I, I'm at a point in the game where uh, I have two different save points, and I'm the save point that I, the, my current save point. I can't progress any further because I'm at, I'm somewhere where I'm a I'm almost dead. I I can only take basically one more hit or chomp from uh because you know you can if you get caught by a zombie you can fight them off a little bit and get away from them but you still take some damage doing that. I I take I'm one more hit and I'm dead. One more chomp from a zombie I'm dead. I've got maybe 12 bullets left. I have no herbs, no first aid sprays, and where I have to go from where I am, I counted there are 15 zombies in my way to get where I need to go. There's no way I can make it. I tried 20 times yesterday to get where I needed to go. Can't do it. And I just gave up because I'm like, well, the one other save file that I have is like three hours before this one. 
I'm not going through all that stuff again. So I was just like, maybe this is why I stopped playing it the first time. Yeah, because you posted in the Discord this morning that you stopped playing it, and I, it got me curious as to why. Because I literally can't That's... get any further. Uh, this game just sounds broken. It is. And, it, and another one of my notes is this game is so stingy with items. I'm around eight hours into the game and can't progress any further without going back to a long-ago save point. I've only gotten three health sprays and maybe four to five herbs so far in the game, but they were all front-loaded in the beginning of the game, and I've long-ago used all that stuff up to stay alive. I have nothing. Nothing but a prayer, I guess. Yeah. So, do I go back and start over from the previous save point that's like three hours ago? Or do I keep bashing my head into the wall trying to get past 15 zombies in, you know, two different alleyways and a courtyard that I have to go through to get where I need to go? Oh, and and a cemetery that I have to get through to get where I need to go. There's no way. you, You can't dodge every single zombie in this game because they lunge at you from so far away and grab onto you. I know it would be painful, but I would start from the previous save file if you want to continue with the I game. I don't even know if I want to continue because A, I'm not that interested in the story because I have no idea what's going on so far. And people love this game. And the last thing I want to do is crap all over it because I love the Resident Evil series and people love this game. But so far, I don't see what people like about it. It's it's too hard. A, it, like it's it's unnecessarily hard for unnecessarily hard sake. It's maybe one of those cases that, you know, people that have the sentimental value for it, it might have been a good game at the time, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's one that just hasn't aged well because of what you've explained. Because I I was looking at the reception for it, and the scores are insanely Mm -hmm. high for it, you know, from various reviews and whatnot, but... From what you've said, and then from the gameplay that you know I watched leading up to the show, I just I want to play Resident Evil Two because yeah. of how much you praise it. I don't really have any interest in playing this one. And maybe there's a reason why this one hasn't been made into a remake. I mean, they completely skipped over this one. They did, you know, they did a remake of one back in 2002. Did the remake of two and three. You know, 2019 and 2020, and now they've got Resident Evil 4 coming. That's a remake. Completely skipping over this one. That tells you something right there. I would play Mm -hmm. a remake of this just so I could play a modernized version of it where they fix all that stuff. But I just don't want to go back and play this version of it. And maybe they will down the line. But that would probably be the only way I would play it is if they were to remake it. Uh, and Joey asked if this was the the Dreamcast that he gave me. Yes, this is the. Uh, I, mean, I am playing in this on that Dreamcast. Uh, that is the Dreamcast copy you gave me um, that I've been playing. Uh, and, I, and one other one of my notes here is the game is so much harder than it needs to be. Relatively small map, but the backtracking required with the enemy respawn kills any enjoyment. Yeah. I 
Yeah. I would agree. And then <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And then I think the last thing here I wrote. Oh, and this is another thing about this game. The puzzles. You know, the one thing I love about the Resident Evil series, especially Resident Evil 2, was the puzzles. Uh, that you, it's almost Zelda-ish, you know, the, the mm-hmm. type of yeah. puzzles that you got to do uh, and figure out how to get these puzzles to work and, you know, things you have to do. The In this game, the puzzles don't feel like puzzles. It seems like I'm just finding and taking random items to different places. And I'll just be like, oh, this thing goes here. Glad I randomly ran across it a little while ago and kept it in my bag. That's how the puzzles in this game are. Like, I'll just run across something, like, like early in the game, like, there's a, uh, a ship, st- like, a, an old a boat, the steering wheel for a boat. I'm like, well, this is going to come in handy later. It just kept it with me until I ran across a place to stick it, and I turned it, and here comes the submarine. I'm like, well, that was a hard puzzle. I'm glad they put a lot of thought into that one. Uh, well, at least it did come in handy at some point. Yeah, you just kind of run randomly run across stuff, and you're like, "Huh, this is going to come, uh, you know, this is going to be useful later." The developers were like, "We'll figure it out." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, in two, there were just puzzles, like actual puzzles you had to to do in that game to figure out a lot of the stuff. This one, it just feels lazy. Well, and that's what surprised me about the first game, because I didn't know that it was going to have puzzle aspects to it. Mm-hmm. And then I came across the first one, and I'm like, oh, this is Zelda-like. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a nice addition. Yeah, this game feels like uh, Resident Evil 2 DLC, is what it feels like. I, and I, like I said, I would play a remake of it if they did one. But I think there's a reason there's not a remake coming because this game is just not great. And I know people love it. And if you love it, more power to you. You can have all the Code Veronica you want. This one's not for me. Maybe I'll try it again sometime in the future, but I did not enjoy my time in this game. Yeah, it says here Code Veronica received universal acclaim and many critics felt it was the best Resident Evil game at the time <sighs> and a must-own for the Dreamcast. Uh, game's atmosphere and presentation received high praise. Critics at Edge called it the closest the series has got to emulating a Hollywood action feature. What? <laughs> uh, Metacritic gave it a 94 out of 100. Uh, EGM gave it 9.7 out of 10. Eurogamer, 9 out of 10. Uh, GamePro, 4.5 stars. Game Revolution, A minus. IGN, 9.2. GameSpot, 9.5. People loved this game in, back in the day, and I maybe it's because at the time they felt it was the pinnacle of the series, but it doesn't seem like it's aged that greatly. Yeah, for the time, it was probably pretty good. Uh, and I do remember playing it back then, but I never finished it. And I, I remember the, 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 the big, you know, the big beats of the game. Like when you come across the submarine and, uh, you know, come go, go into the mansion and, you know, you, you first get out of the jail at the beginning of the game and you walk into the cemetery and, you know, the zombies come up out of the ground. Like I remember those parts because they are kind of iconic. Like they're really cool. But the rest of the game around it is just kind of like 
ugh, what, why is it so difficult? Like, why am I not getting items? Why can't you just throw some freaking first aid sprays around? Why are the zombies respawning every time I go through an area and then go have to go inevitably back through that area? Guess what? All five freaking zombies are respawned in the same spot. Like, that's just stupid. Maybe if they do remake the game, that'll be something they fix. Maybe. I, I, like I said, I would play it, but I'm not going to play this original version. It's not... If you're a Resident Evil fan and you like you know, Resident Evil 2 and like Resident Evil 1, they're great games. This one, I, I would say you could probably just pass on. What would you give it, score-wise? Out of 10, I mean, I'm just going to go... Uh, I'm going to give it a f- 5. Just so average, uh, not not even really. I mean, it's playable. It's uh, you can finish the game if you have the gumption, to, but I just don't have the gumption to finish the game, and I don't really care because the story of it's just not there. So yeah, I'll just give it a five. It's just kind of meh. Yeah, I I could I could go with that from what I've seen of the game. It just seems very middle of the road. And I would say if you're a resident a huge Resident Evil fan, I would say you know get a copy of it just to have in the collection, but it's going to be the I mean this is kind of like Resident Evil. It it ranks up there with Resident Evil 6 as one of the worst of the Resident Evil games to me. Like this game and then you in part 6 with Chris Redfield, you know, literally punching boulders. Like you hit some <laughs> low spots there. Resident Evil, some real low spots. Joey says, "Breaking news: All those critics were high at the time of their reviews." Probably. I mean, that's <laughs> that's probably not far from the truth. Yeah, I that might be accurate. But yeah, that's that's going to be my score. It's going to get a five, and that's all it's going to get. I'm probably not going to go finish it. Maybe I might fire it up, and if I feel like restarting, you know, hours beforehand. Maybe, but I would say that's there's only maybe a twenty percent chance of that happening. I think it seems safe that you could probably just move on to something a little more enjoyable. That's what I was gonna say. I'd rather move on to something that I actually enjoy playing. Yeah. As you should. But that's gonna do it for this week. And uh Derek, is there anything else you need to throw out there before we leave this week? So for those of you who follow me on social media, you saw the news. The Derek Diamond experience is coming back. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. I, I, I'm not going to go into full details. I'll, I'll wait for the show to come back and then I'll explain it on there. But um, it's going to I'm probably going to do some kind of show at the end of the year is to kind of shake the rust off a little bit. But um, it'll be back in in full swing as a seasonal show at the start of the year. Um, the first couple of episodes will be with the cast and crew of the feature to promote the premiere that'll be um, towards the end of January. And then it'll it'll be like people remember it. You know, it'll be a combination of interviews. Um, we'll do some roundtable discussions when the occasion calls for it and a monthly top five list. So. I'm excited for for it to come back. You know, I, it'll be like putting on an old pair of comfortable shoes. <laughs> but yeah, just do it seasonally. Don't burn yourself out yeah. on it. So it, it's gonna it's gonna run probably until early May, 
and then I'll take the summer off and yeah. then bring it back for the fall. Perfect. And then that that that'll be that'll be what happens. But no, I long story short, I was curious as to which of my two shows people enjoyed the most and it was overwhelmingly the Derek Diamond experience. So that kind of got the the wheels turning and I'm like, "You know what? I miss doing it. Let's do it. Let's bring it back." You're still going to use the old theme song, right? The Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, diamond, diamond. Experience. I do have new music, but I can add that little soundbite. Please to it. do, because yeah. that always like made me happy <laughs> to hear that. I'll have to dig it up off a off my external drive, but yeah, I've got new music and everything. Made a new logo and all that stuff. So that was the uh, the Unicorn Wranglers, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They uh, that was from the very first episode of the show that I did. Awesome. Which God was almost ten years ago. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Don't say it. Say it out loud. Um, it, makes, it makes you older. It, make, it makes us age visibly on screen. Yeah. yeah. But if uh, people can't tell by the increasing gray in my beard. Oh yeah. You look at in HD. You can see all the gray I've got yeah. going on. Um, go check out Open Micers on at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Our show this last week was uh, a hostful goodness episode with me and Mr. Jacob Craig, where. I heard some strange noises outside, so we go down a rabbit hole of cryptids and we find some interesting little factoids that were quite uh, interesting and hilarious, so go check it out. I still need to go listen to that. And also, um, for those who may have unsubscribed to the Derek Diamond experience, the feed will still be the same as it was before. Um, Social media, all is the same and everything, D-Diamond podcast, so... Uh, be on the lookout for uh, what the first episode will be in probably like the next week or so. Awesome. Well, is there anything else before we leave this evening? That'll be it. Let's walk out the door. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. You can go to nerdcaveretro.com. That takes you straight to our link tree with our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter, and of course, ncrmerch.com where you can go there if you need a good Christmas gift idea we got all kind of designs over there retro designs for uh, t-shirts, coffee mugs all that kind of stuff ncrmerch.com and also you can go to Patreon patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro please support the show keeps the lights on here and uh, uh, I need help paying my car off (laughs) give us a buck a month but if you can't do that, I understand. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns